time for What's Your Role, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of your favorite actual play podcast. And now, here's your host, Tim Devine. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Tim Devine, and you're listening to What's Your Role, the podcast that brings you players from your favorite actual play podcast so that we can get to know them a little bit better. I am so honored and excited today to introduce our guests, Eleni Sovacho and Gannon Reedy of the hilariously entertaining and, dare I say, important Neoscum podcast. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for having yeah. us. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And uh, so to start us off, uh, why don't you both introduce yourselves and then let our listeners know what your role is on Neoscum. My name is Eleni Sovacho. I play Pox on Neoscum. Yes, and hello, my name is Gannon Reedy, and I'm the Game Master on Neoscum. Awesome. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Neoscum? Here's the elevator pitch my girlfriend gave me for the show. She listened to it for a while. She said, it's a Blade Runner, but dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta say, I gotta say, Michaela, that line works. It's really good. Yeah, we, we play um, Shadowrun. Uh, you know, if you are at all familiar with Shadowrun, there's like typically the two main ways that people talk about it. There's Black Trenchcoat Shadowrun and there's Pink Mohawk Shadowrun. Uh, Pink Mohawk being sort of wacky, choopy, crazy style. Wacky, choopy, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's us. We're definitely not a Black Trenchcoat style, which would be, you know, involve a lot more Oh, seriousness. We get serious like sometimes. Sad, but... It's like a sad trench coat, like a yeah, like a it's a sad trench coat. Full of uh, 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 tissues sopping in his tears. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not filled with metal, it's filled with mush. A trench coat full of mush, that's our show. Trench coat full of mush. I think that's that's a that's a good summary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how 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 long has the show been going on? I think you're in your forty fifth episode. Is that correct? We are yeah, on our forty fifth episode. Like yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little over two years. All right. Well, one of the main things we want to get into on this show is the roles that you play. So let's dive into some uh, character creation inspiration questions here, um, just to sort of lift the hood, because there's so much that goes into creating a character or Ganon for your purpose, creating a, a lot that goes into creating uh, uh, the world and the setting, the plot, the, the, the characters are going to be interacting with. But Ganon, let's start with you. What, can you talk about how you prepared for character creation? So for your players, what, what did you do as a, as a game master uh, to prepare for that? Well, it's a real case-by-case -case basis, let me tell you. So in Go, like, I try, when I know a character needs to be introduced, or I know they're going to run into a certain personality type, I uh, try to make sure that uh, there's enough, I have enough information that the character can be engaging and interesting and offer a point of view that is compelling and will um, be meaningful in some way to the uh, the player characters, right? But it, it can get really complicated. Like sometimes a character will have a lot of backstory. Sometimes, like okay, uh, we had one character in this episode. It was sort of a celebratory episode. They just gotten out of a lot of danger, and they're at a trucker bar. 
and I'd written down like 20 names or something like that and written like a, like a, a, a race, like a, like a, a, you know, like orc, elf, troll, frog man, you know, next to each name. And that was about all the information. There's, there's one character called Lala Pune and it was a monkey lady, right? And that was all the information I'd written down. And one of the characters was like, oh, wow, it's a monkey lady. Oh, wow, I have a huge crush on that monkey lady. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden out of just one character being like, hey, what, what's the deal with that person? It became a, a reoccurring character within the story. So sometimes you don't plan for it, sometimes you do. But you hope that there's enough there so that it is like salt on the tip of your tongue. It thrills immediately, it's compelling, and it brings an image to you. Well, that's definitely the case for 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 this listener getting. I, I feel that from your from your preparation for sure. Okay. Um, and, and and you know some of it, uh, like you said, you you don't know how the players are going to interact with them, but to be able to have enough so that you can grab on and 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 hold on as the character or the player pulls them in their direction, uh, that's that's pretty important and probably a good tip for you game masters at home. Um, sure. And Eleni, uh, what was your inspiration for Pox? Was she based on anyone? Did you have other choices? What, what was your inspiration? So Pox came about for a number of different reasons. At the time, I I had been playing a lot of Skyrim, and um, my character in Skyrim was named Oracle, uh, and she kind of looked like how I imagine sort of Pox looks. You know, she had sort of like silver white hair, and she had some like silvery eyes. Um, so, and she was so badass, and I was just like, yeah, I want to carry over that character in a way. Um, but then, you know, our very first recording session was my first ever time playing with that group of um, guys and also playing Shadowrun. So, uh, I mean, you can even hear probably if you listen back to the first recording, I think I sound so much more shy because I was just like, I'm just gazing sort of like, what's going on. So Pox, I made an adept because it seemed like it would balance out the rest of the characters, which were already established. Like everybody else already pretty much had their character set up and what their characters were. So I felt like an adept was sort of a another main sort of class that we didn't really see very much. And I also knew that I didn't want to learn magic and I didn't want to learn the matrix because it just seemed like if I had to learn it immediately, it would be just too much, too much. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of where that came from. You know, it was a little bit of circumstance and a uh, little bit of inspiration from life. But yeah, she's, other than that, it's just, she's based off of my dreams. I don't know. <laughs> 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 no, I think that's one of the coolest things about about role playing games, and where you can you can create a character, or even sometimes be given a pre generated character, and it seems like okay, well, this is just to round out the group, or just to make sure there's no duplicates. But then over time, you just make them your own. And from the very first episode, like Pox was established as such a like an iconic character, and so I think that that's just so cool that you you chose part part of her just to round out the group, really. Yeah, yeah. I and I think that also is part of me, like in the way that I like to approach things. I sort of like everything to be even, like diplomatic, you know, where it's like, yeah, I want I want this to be an equal playing field. So we need we can't have two of the same kind. We need one, you know, one of everything. Um, so, yeah. Now my brain just drifted to two Dak Rambos and um... <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I thought of Ganon and I felt really bad. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. Well, next question is for Ganon. And this is uh, about kind of what you said before. Um, and, and you answered it a little bit actually already. What is your process for coming up with NPC names? Oh, NPC names. Okay. So there is a thing I took. Uh, there, I spent a semester, uh, 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 there's this program in Chicago, it's called the Comedy Studies Semester. You go, you spend a semester doing classes at Second City. Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's okay. You don't need to call go to college to do comedy. It probably hurts you, but, uh, but, but for me it was helpful. But there were a couple of interesting tricks that I pulled out uh, from, from this period. And one of them was, uh, concept of the second cab so there's like a um oh what's his name? sherlock holmes sherlock holmes there's like i guess some sherlock holmes story that i haven't read uh where uh when you're being pursued and then they're on your trail you don't hop into the first cab to make your escape because they expect you to take the first cab you got to take the second cab so in that your brain will jump to something right away and you know, I'll think of a name. Uh, uh, Bob Bob Goat Cheese was the first name that I thought of, right? So you go Bob Goat Cheese, and then you go, okay, uh, I'm gonna change the B to an L. Lob Goat Cheese. I'm gonna add another syllable, and it's gonna be N. And I'm gonna ch change cheese to raw, goat and raw. So now it's Lob Goat and Raw. Um, and then it's like, okay, there you go. I got a name. It surprised myself. I was not expecting that name. And that's a little bit of how I do it. That is amazing. I, I can imagine that one small nugget right there being incredibly helpful to not only game masters, uh, but players, because I have to tell you so many times I sit at a table, we're getting ready to play, we're making characters and you go around, you say, is everybody ready? And only one person has a name. They know what they want to play, but no one has a name. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and you know, if you just have fun with it and don't worry about it too much, the thing about names also is like, it becomes whatever the character is. So you could have the worst name in the world. You could have like a bad, dumb name that you hate, right? But if you don't get bogged down by that, you don't get bogged down like, I don't know, it's, uh, 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 I don't know, Bark Gregory. That's, I don't know, like you come up with just some random name. It's gonna be in informed so much by your actions that you really can't lose um, when it comes to naming. It's, it's truly, it's an impressive skill. I'm consistently impressed by Gannon's uh, coming up with names, especially because my go-to name is always Maria. <laughs> and I don't know why, I don't know why. It's, I don't think I even know anyone named Maria. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And my my go-to name for for NPCs has always been Biff. Every game I've played will generally have a Biff in it if I'm That's caught cool. out. But no, I think that'll change now that I've that I've learned this lesson. Um. <laughs> right, because you take Biff and then you just like, okay, I'm going to change the F to a, a T, and then it's like, eh, all right, I'll throw a syllable on there, and then you got a there you've got a brand new name, Biff Reborn. That's a great name, name also, Biff Reborn. <laughs> yeah, right there, uh, Biff Reborn. Biffrey born. Biffrey. Biffrey born. born. Yeah, Biffrey, like, like Jeffrey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got Biffrey. Or Biffton. Biffton. <laughs> <laughs> or Biffria. Biffria. <laughs> <laughs>
this uh, this next question for for Eleni, and uh, this is this is something unique to to actual play podcasts. Normally, which is something that I love, there's this impermanence to role playing where you you go, you sit at a table, you you make this incredible experience with players, and when you leave, it's 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 impactful to the people at the table, but it's left at the table. With actual plays that are recorded and out there, you you have you have you can go back and listen to it over and over. You can you know in some cases you listen to it, especially after the type of production quality that Neo Scum has, and it could sound completely different than you expected. Uh, so my question for you, Eleni, is how has Pox been shaped or changed in the forty-five episodes by fans' interactions and also you just listening back? Wow, interesting question. You know, inevitably, I would say, yeah, that has some great effect on on the character and on me, totally. Um, I think that, in a way, my gut instinct is to rebel against certain things. So if I start to see a pattern, I try to break it. Um, you know, the idea of Pox loving candy and sweets uh, and hearing a couple people or seeing a couple people's impressions being like, oh, well, what would Pox say? And it often deferring to candy. I'm like, no, Pox can do so much more than defer to candy. So then I'm like, forget the candy. I'm going to say some other stuff. Um, that's, that's shocking. Because I think that's the Pox cool. does some stuff that is really badass and scary and shocking. And like genuinely frightening. She is a scary creature, a little demon girl. Like she... She's got a lot of fire in her, and she's taken so many lives. Just makes me sad. I'm just like, yeah, there's the candy with blood in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, on the same token, I guess the the duality of that of recognizing how sweet something can be and also how sour something can be. Because I'm not saying that I don't play using the lollipops, because I definitely do. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to turn down a lollipop. You're just going to make sure that the hand handing it to you might be severed in the process. It, exactly, exactly. That or I'm going to make sure that I use the lollipop to, you know, throw it in their eye <laughs> or something. Yeah, but I do think definitely that listening back, uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I li usually listen back to things like once and then if we... Um, if we're doing something and need to listen back for a reason, I'll listen again. But to me, I always feel a little embarrassed when I listen back. So it's hard for me to, to be like, all right, I'm gonna listen back to all this stuff. I, I would like take notes down of things that maybe I said and try to remember them and think about them. But actually listening to it, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. I, I love to listen to the episode the first time. And then after that, I'm like, hee hee. I don't know. There's like a, it, it's like watching yourself on camera. It just, it just feels a little weird. So I guess in a way I, I don't have that same perspective. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's, that's really cool. I, I love that. I love that you're not just shaped by what you listen to and, and the, but you're also like, if you see those things, you want to add more depth. And that's just fantastic. It, 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 it's a cool, it's a cool thing that you don't get when you're just playing with your friends at the table and no one else is, is, listening or you don't listen back. That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Uh, so before we break for our commercial here, uh, we have a special segment that uh, we're calling Ganon's NPC Name Generator. Ganon right. uh, is not, uh, was not aware of this. Uh, Ganon <laughs> is definitely known for coming up with some truly memorable NPC names. So Ganon, would you mind rattling off just a couple to take us into the commercial break? Cornus, uh, Taggled, Dared, um, 
Bonnet T. Jake, Eltrick Moss, and Eagle T. Robert. No Maria's, huh? <laughs> For some reason, Maria didn't get Maria Biff. Yeah. <laughs> In a world where audio entertainment is at your fingertips, you can be listening to actual play podcasts like Neoscum. Neoscum is a narrative comedy podcast featuring five Chicago improvisers antagonizing their way through the role-playing classic Shadow Run. Only Neoscum can fill your eyeballs with tears of uncontrollable laughter and tears of gut-wrenching sadness in the same exact moment. Neoscum is part of the One-Shot Podcast Network. Find them on Neoscum.com. You won't regret it. And we're back with Eleni and Gannon of the Neo Scum podcast to talk about some of their favorite moments from the show, specifically ones that you heard after listening back on the episodes. Eleni, we were just talking about this before the commercial, uh, uh, different things and how they affect, you know, impact you when you listen back. But what were some of your favorite moments that maybe you didn't know were going to be your favorite while they were happening, but afterwards you were like, I loved that. And these are my characters specifically? Well, why don't you can do uh, your character, but then if you if you have others from other people, definitely feel feel free to share those. Uh, Okay, so for Pox, the the moment that sticks out to me... um, as being one of my favorites, especially listening back on it afterwards, um, during the bison uh, fight, uh, there is a moment where, I don't want to say spoilers, but this is like the first maybe, I don't know what episode it is. It's within the first 10 episodes probably. But there's a bison fight and I, I do make some kind of comment that's like, I can't do anything. like. At that recording, I was very, very frustrated. Uh, and I was like on the verge of crying because I felt like my character really sucked. And listening back to it is like, but I was very creative. Whatever I was trying to do was still pretty cool, even if it was throwing Vaseline out of a truck. <laughs> I, was, I was like, all right. I mean, I, I pulled out all the stops trying to do something with a character that I was like, I have no stats, I have no skills, I have to like be weird, or I can't, I can't go anywhere. So listening back to it, I think made me feel a lot better than than actually being at the table where I felt super defeated. And that's funny too, because when I was so anxious after we recorded that episode that that was bad, like it was a that was a clunker. But I think that's a, a real. I think it was good. I think I was wrong in the first place. But also, mm-hmm. I think Casey really did a great job in uh, making that episode really compelling. But it's always interesting to hear when people are like, oh, I love the Bisons. Like, uh, uh, it's nice to hear. I, I love them too. Yeah, <laughs> same. Oh, now there's going to be a whole a whole social media movement to bring back the Bison. <laughs> oh, that, about it, there, was a, there was a backstory that never happened for those guys. There was, I thought they were going to be overtaken and it was going to be a thing. It didn't happen, but there was things written for them. Wow, wow. Well, we, we have a uh, uh, behind the scenes coming up. Maybe we can... Maybe we can oh, wow. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Papaxi, or sorry, uh, Lenny. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, we're one in the same. Uh, Lenny, uh, you had you had said, are, are there moments from other players maybe that you'd want to mention? Is there any moment that like you 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 just really stands out to you that you were like, wow? <laughs> um, I guess also from the early episodes, I really love when. Uh, Blair and Mike are doing blints and um, Kramer. Yeah. Um, they're anti antagonizing each other. I just felt like that was really showed their their actual friendship, their history of of being friends, and like their familiarity of being able to just be such jerks to each other, but like have fun being jerks to each other. And I think that another thing at the table where I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I like something clicked for me. I think when that happened in a in a very cool way. Because I think we all sort of do that to each other a little more, more and more as time goes by. <laughs> but yeah, that was one. There's a bunch, but yeah, that that's the first one that pops into my brain. Awesome. Uh, and Gannon, what about some of your favorite moments from being behind the screen? Every well, I mean, every now and then there'll be a quip, like someone will say something really funny, but it'll be during a time where I was like trying to do math or something, and then like I'll listen back and be like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Back then, it's funny listening to me being really annoyed by people like, like being like, ah, oh, I'm the king of butt castle. Oh, who, that makes me the prince. Ooh, but the, you know, but better than that, obviously. But like, uh, uh, but like when I'm like, oh, why don't they, I, I just, I just need to, I just need to do a few more subtractions and I know exactly what happened. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, for me, it's really funny when I listen back to episodes and I can <laughs> and I can hear like a really good PP, but I'm genuinely like it's, uh, for me, it's, it's beautiful. It's healing. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm on the record for like, I really love it when things go off the rails really hard. The best example of that being is like everyone missing the death, like, is like, and I spent a day like, okay, these guys are gonna, they're in Chicago right now, but they're gonna travel back to Indianapolis and they're gonna do a death race. And I was like, how do I run a death race? What does the math look like for a death race? Who's in the death race? I have four hours, you know, like, uh, and I was like scrambling to ride it. And then what ended up happening was they got caught up with an NPC and then they just started having a long conversation in a diner. And I was like, well, what time do you think it is right now? And they're like, that's gotta be like 1 p.m. It's like, well, you just missed, you missed the death race. <laughs> and it's like, okay, now this guy's mad and he calls you up and you're like, you know what, fuck you. You're not my boss anymore, fuck you. You guys wanna go to California? Let's go to California. So then they like, and then that's like, you know, we've been dealing with the repercussions of that for like a year and a half. It's wild. It's it's really funny. So yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah, bless you, Gannon, for for writing things and being very willing to throw them away. <laughs> that, that honestly, like I I think that's uh, very formidable of you. Thank you. I think it is funny, and I do have a great pride in being able to write something that uh, never gets heard. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun. I think it's fun and cool. No, there's some there's some Zen philosophy in that for sure. Um, I think so. It's like your mandala. It's you're 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 creating it and letting it. My, it's my mandala. That's what it is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, although 
we're going to recall one of your mandalas right now. Uh, Gannon, could you tell us just a little bit about the bison? You you mentioned it, you brought it up, and, and it's just... Uh, let's see here. I would have to pull up the document for the full details. There are a lot of them. There is an underground facility involved. There was a someone who built all these bison, and they were living in this facility, uh, and they would travel rogue upon the land uh, uh, pillaging uh, for their for their own personal wealth. This human who built them was no longer around, so they had to govern themselves, sort of like a semi-AI type thing. I, I tried to stay away from like a full AI because the concept of that is just too baffling for me currently. I try and keep it simple, but like uh, it was something along those lines. And I looked for the opportunity to eke some aspect of the person who built these bison or the nature of these bison or past issues with the bison, but it never comes up organically. So I guess that's, that, that's, uh, that, that's a little bit of uh, behind the curtain there. Thank wow. you for sharing that. I think I think that that's gonna definitely tease some of of, of your of the scummer fans out there for sure. Um, Glad to but, it's, that. but it's also it's also going to like help them understand a little bit perhaps that there's a lot that goes into creating games like this. And when you do throw things away, it could be really good stuff because that is all yeah. really good stuff. <laughs> well, I really thought they were screwed in that episode. I because there was like an army of them pursuing them. So I had a whole written thing that was like. Xanadu is going to be destroyed. If Xanadu is destroyed, um, they would be not killed, but they would be taken prisoner. And I wrote a little bit about the prison they'd wake up in. Whoa. But never happened. <laughs> Thank goodness. I love and, my life on the road, not in a prison. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a whole different, uh, whole different show altogether. It would. Right? Like a, an HBO original series, um, Neo Oz. Whoa! <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all, all right. So the the next question is: it, it just you you mentioned Xanadu. That's the next question I was going to ask you. What inspired the name Xanadu for the the iconic vehicle, the the Millennium Falcon of the Neo Scum universe? I feel like that's a Mike Migdahl question. I'd have to assume the song Xanadu from the <laughs> I, film Xanadu. That's what I would guess. I don't think it's I don't think it's the film. I mm. feel like I remember him saying he didn't know there was a film. But maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Is that Olivia Newton song Newton song? <laughs> Newton John songs really. Yeah. It feels like a Dak Rambo road ripper. And now I'm thinking about it. It's not on the playlist, so I'm going to add it. <laughs> All right. Well, what I'd like to do now is take a, a brief look into sort of what the preparation looks like. Uh, and and you know, this doesn't need to be super in-depth, but think about this as like your Rocky montage before you sit down at the mic and begin being Pox or Ganon being, well, everybody else. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that isn't a character. Uh, what do you What do you do to prepare, Lenny? Let's start with you. Um, I definitely remember try to remember the episode that came immediately before, so that I can remember what sort of headspace um, she was in. Uh, because a lot of times, some sometimes we'll pick up a little bit later, but a lot of times we pick up kind of immediately where we left off. Um, 
So I let that affect me. It depends on the day. Sometimes I'll go through, you know, there's a list of words that's like ask, after, gloss, but I don't really speak that properly. So uh, it's not, I don't do it all the time because I'm not trying to sound like I'm speaking RP pronunciation. Um, uh, and I have a playlist on Spotify that I listen to a lot and that helps too. It's a lot of like pump up pox songs. Um, yeah, that's, I think those, those are the main, sort of the main things. I think the most important one is trying to remember like the moment before um, and having no expectations. Cause I also think that that can sort of bog you down. And the moment before is a classical theater term and it is a very useful skill to consider. Moment before is really, it is really interesting, you know, because in our own lives, I think it's, I think it's extremely helpful in our own lives. The thing that has just happened to us is the thing that we are carrying with us at any moment. So if you're ever lost in how you're going to portray a moment, like you just go like, what was I feeling? exactly before viscerally and that will be what you're carrying into the next thing right because everything affects you i mean you know you can think of you just had a terrible interaction with the people at the gas station and you walk into a bar and someone says like what can i get you you'll have some certain type of exasperation when you answer them as opposed to like wow, you just had your first kiss and now they ask what you want. Like you, the way you respond is gonna be completely different. So yeah, I think I think it's really important and uh, you can only sort of plan for what has already happened and not for what is yet to come. That is awesome. And uh, Gannon, mm -hmm. how do you prepare to run a session? Well, I got, um, I got a, I've got a bunch of notes documents. What I, I'll always start just thinking about uh, what feels like what might happen. And then after I get a general idea of what feels like what, what might happen, I think about the environment, what the environment looks like and feels like. And then it's like, whatever I want, whatever actually makes me excited. Like it's, it's okay to be like, okay, what if they're in like a clockwork tower or something? Frankly, that's not very thrilling to me, but let's say circumstances led them to be in a clockwork tower. Okay, whatever. Maybe I like the idea of an orc infested dungeon more than a clockwork tower. Okay, who's to say it can't feel exactly like that? So I'll just say like, okay, the thing that I want it to feel like will be like that thing that is there. And then I'll usually spend some time, like um, this is something that hasn't happened yet, but uh, there, these guys might be acting adjacent to an area that is sort of a uh, stockbroker, like a stockbroker culture of a financial district kind of a thing. So I don't know anything about stocks and bonds. So I, I spent a little bit of time uh, researching, you know, what a, uh, what it's like to work in that industry, what that industry is, you know, like in Wall Street, what are the bars you go to when you're off Wall Street? Let's say you really love the idea of like a Wall Street culture, you know, like if I was just like, oh my God, I think the guys who work at Bear Stearns are so cool. Like, you know, if, if that's how I felt, like 
and I wanted to go see how they lived, you know, what would I type in Google to find out? So then I do that. And then I just listen to a bunch of podcasts and watch a bunch of videos about like the things in their lives. And I take the things that I think are most interesting and compelling and then I'll sort of try and like weave it in my knowledge. And then when the actual episode comes around, I try and throw as much of that away. Don't worry about it too much. Know that the knowledge is working in whatever effect it might. And then hope that the, that I've got enough sort of beats and bumps along the way that the characters will be able to walk into a world and engage in it organically. Well, definitely more uh, invaluable GM knowledge coming coming at you from Ganon there. Um, and uh, also hopefully people are understanding the amount of uh, effort that goes into it, uh, knowing that at any moment you could throw away all of those Bear Stearns uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they want to go into a porta potty. Uh, totally, yes. and I'm thinking about that now, and that hasn't been recorded yet, so that could totally happen. <laughs> hey, I'm here. You, you're, this is a spoiler for me. I'll be like, oh, I already know the stock market, so hmm, I'm going to go research the stock market now so that anything Gannon says, I have something back to say. Ha-ha! <laughs> I know about stocks and bonds. Oh, I just imagined that at some random moment during that episode, uh, Pox just screams out, sell, sell. <laughs> and that's the extent of my stock knowledge. Not much more than mine, frankly. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, I'm going to use it. I'm taking that line and it's canon now. Pox does say that in the episode that doesn't exist. She screams to sell. <laughs> Uh, so before we before we jump to our next commercial break, uh, we have a special segment uh, that we are calling Pox's Pockets. Uh, Pox, for our listeners, has some, I don't want to say klepto tendencies, uh, but you'd have to, you'll, you'll, listeners, just go listen, you'll understand. But they are some of the most enjoyable moments of the show for sure. So Eleni, if Pox were to empty her pockets onto the table right now, what might we see? So she's got a a tooth, some dirt, five pairs of sunglasses, uh, that little spinny magnet thing, uh, some charms. There's a astronaut charm, a star charm. There's um, some keys, but they're not to anything. She just found them. <laughs> There's a quarter, two pennies, a nickel. There's um, a, a piece of, of dead rat. There's a, a bunch of hair from Barf Vada, a bunch of uh, Barf's hair. Uh, there's probably a bunch of hair from Good Boy as well. There's gauze, uh, bloody gauze, um, and clean gauze. There's a little box that says, my thing. There's um, a knife, it's like a butter knife. Um, and there's uh, candy, a bunch of Werther's, a bunch of Werther's, some lollipops, and a computer mouse. And that's just the top one. Hello there. Are you looking for more tabletop podcasts for your entertainment? Then look no further than the Roll to Play Podcast Network. On Roll to Play, you will find amazing one-shots featuring guests from all over the world. On Roll to Play Level Up, you will hear fantastic discussions about all things tabletop. 
Are you a fan of gothic horror mysteries? Then the Red Death is waiting for you. Find all these shows and more at RollToPlayNetwork.com. And we're back to ask Eleni and Gannon of the Neo Scum Podcast some questions that we've received from fans of the show, also known as scummers. Uh, are you both ready for this? I'm ready. I think so. Okay. So Alex Tully asks Gannon, is it hard to relinquish control of NPCs like Scott to the players? And how much policing has to be done in that situation to ensure that your canon or planned world isn't too disrupted? Also, when are we going to see the triumphant return of Jelly? Great question regarding Jelly. Again, similar to the uh, bison, it's on my mind, but uh, the organic opportunity has not lent that to happening. Um, in regards to relinquishing control, it's funny you bring up Scott. And I have to laugh, man, because to be frank, the character Scott, I did not think that was another character, did not think it was going to last. I was <laughs> like, I, you know what? I don't even think these characters were necessarily going to be like long-term characters. I think I got inspired in the moment and I found an opportunity to like do a cross because I really like it when the player characters take over NPCs. But but I'd written like two poachers and a businessman uh, like who like being taken on like basically a like a, a safari with these guys. I'd written that and I was like, oh, look, there's an opportunity to pull these guys into it. And frankly, like, I, I, I invested, I try to invest even the characters I don't like with things that I do like about them. But Scott was a character who I, uh, who, who I really hadn't invested a lot of positive thought into. I'd thrown in a lot of my frustration with, let's say, bosses I've had in my life into the concept of this character. So then the, the, the way the character Scott has gone from here on out has basically wrecked the canon that I had established for it initially. And I'm just sort of like, you know, let, let, you know, let God take it from here. I, I lay it in Eleni's hands. Um, Am I and am I slightly vindictive? Maybe I'm aware that I am a little bit, but you know, maybe some people don't have the greatest luck in the world. So, I mean, let's hope that Scott survived that uh, airplane accident Ooh. that he just encountered. Um, can I speak to that <laughs> a little bit too? I think you should. Yes. Um, so I, I want to say that initially Gannon um, created these sort of like character sheets for Scott Warbo and, and Piven and he handed us the character sheets and he's like, all right, so these are the characters like that you're going to play. Um, Scott is a CFO and he's with these two hunters and uh, they're hunting drakes and wyverns and blah, blah, blah. And he says all this stuff. And I remember just being like, all right, cool. And then I think we ended the recording like pretty soon, whatever it was. And then the mm -hmm. next time we sat back down, I was like, what's, what's he doing? What's a Drake's and a Wyvern? <laughs> like I was just like, huh? And so I just sort of like was talking out of my butt and not knowing anything that was going on. And so that all of Scott's personality traits, I want to say came from my brain. But, and, Gannon, and Gannon just let me say whatever. <laughs> so there was no, I never once felt that he was like controlling me 
but uh, you, there are definitely instances where you can tell he steps in and sort of says things like, okay, well, you only have X amount of things. He finds very clever ways around the things that I was trying to do because at the end of the day, even though I was playing the NPC, I'm still on, I'm still on the team's side, you know? So I want them to get that money. Even if it's, if I have the money now, I want to give it to them, but he wasn't letting me. Well, pretty much all that you hear on the, the recordings. So none yeah. of it happened behind the scenes. It wasn't like a, we didn't have a private conversation about any of that stuff. It's no. very seamlessly maneuvered uh, the, just the way you hear it. And in improv, they call that the game of the thing, you know, like Eleni is pursuing a thing so that this NPC can give these guys a bunch of money so that they can do whatever they want, you know, so then it becomes my sort of job in the game to, uh, frankly, consider it. There was a lot considered logically. It was not 100% vindictive. If you look up on Venmo, you can't send someone a million dollars over Venmo. <laughs> the max you can send them is like $30,000, which I think they have now. So there you go. And the, the next question here is also for Gannon. This is at uh, Jandur2015 of the Twitter asks, do you ever expect to give us a Giga Giant or do you like it more as a background detail? Thank you for asking that. Keep listening to the Patreon. There are plans there. And uh, Pox, this next question is for you. Uh, this is from Anonymous. In the live action film of Neoscum, who plays Pox? Wow, what an easy question. Me. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely uh, hands down. It is myself. Thank you so much for asking. Okay, we will be linking your agent's information to the show notes. <laughs> If I have to choose someone that's not me, if I have to choose someone that's not me, I would want like Saoirse Ronan or something. I think she's very cool, so. I can see that, I can yeah. see that for sure. Uh, this next question is for both of you. And let's see, oh, former Vice President Al Gore, uh, who we didn't know was a scummer, uh, asked, oh, hey. How has playing in the Neoscum future changed your view on climate control IRL? Oh, God. What an abysmal situation. Uh, Do you want to go first, Alani? I can go first. I think I think you can go for it, and you can probably speak for me. <laughs> go That'd ahead. Great. So I have considered the concept of climate, climate change in the future, and uh, frankly, where, what we're looking at right now is uh, beyond bleak. It's very, very, very heavy. But I, I subscribe to the idea that when we envision the future, though it's easy for us to envision uh, an absolute apocalypse. It's very easy for us to uh, imagine that. To be frank, that's probably not going to happen, even as bleak as it seems uh, 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 within our lifetimes. Uh, I, you know, there's some very, very bleak things we hear, but I, I don't believe that that is going to happen. I, I think, you know, like, if we can create a fantasy world where we can imagine anything that can happen, why not imagine a future where we can survive? It's fantasy after all. So why not, why not try at least do that? So I come from that perspective, but still knowing that, uh, you know, there are heavy times ahead of us. 
and that there will be great uh, face uh, some really tremendous challenges from the the state the world's in. But you know what? That's not entire like within the small responsibility of writing a game, writing a doing an actual play role play podcast, vision of the future. We can imagine. You know what? Let's here. Here's the challenge for the listeners. It's easy to imagine. Why is it easier to imagine the end of the world than to imagine the end of capitalism, right? Okay. Uh-huh. Let's let's, mm-hmm. let's let's start with imagining an end to capitalism and see where it goes from there. And that hasn't ended in the Neoscom universe necessarily, but let's consider that concept. Well, there you go, former Vice President Al Gore. Uh, your question Thanks, has been answered with a question, and we were looking forward to your answer. Aha. Uh-huh. And up next, uh, our final question is actually uh, a caller question. And uh, so uh, go ahead, caller. Oh, boy, a caller. Oh, hey, y'all. This is Purple Unicorn Death Pony. And I just had a quick question for Pox. I was just wondering if you were in the market for a sidekick or animal companion. If so, where would one send their resume? Asking for a friend. Hashtag Neoscum. Wow, okay. First of all, Purple Unicorn Death Pony that is like the coolest uh, animal that could ever be Pox's sidekick, a purple unicorn death pony. It's covered in death. It's covered in purple. I love it. That's so great. Um, Send it right away to me on my, not my comm, but Z's comm. I'm speaking as a Lenny, but as Pox. I have no accent right now, but I'm telling you, if you send it, I will find it and I will try to keep it. Anytime there is a cute animal, especially a dangerous one, you know she wants to keep it for herself. She wants a dog, she wants a cat, she wants a purple unicorn death pony. Thank you so much for calling. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great question, really. I'm I'm thrilled, I'm excited. Come in, Gannon, Gannon. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna need one of those really quick. Okay, you got it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, you heard it here. Well, that's about it for the show today. Is there anything else that uh, the two of you would like to plug, share, or tease? Uh, besides Neoscum, yeah, Gan and I are both part of uh, the Runaways Lab Theater Company in Chicago. Check us out. We're very cool. Um, you can check me out on Twitch. I stream with Mike, twitch.tv slash it's Mike Lenny time, or, you know, on social media at Electric Lenny. And that's right. And you should check out uh, the Runaways Lab Theater. We got a website now created by Casey Tony, everyone's pal, the tenders and sweet Casey Tony. And um, you should listen to the album Scott Walker for by Scott Walker. He just died in it. It's a really good album and sort of forgotten by time. Uh, his later period people like to talk about because he gets into really heavy noise stuff, which is pretty fascinating. But like Scott Walker for man, that's uh, just a really prime, really, really great forgotten album of the uh, late 60s. And also uh, uh, the new Venom Prism album is pretty sweet if you like death metal. Awesome. And we're going to be linking in the show notes all the things that you need to know to find Neoscum, their website, their Twitter, their Facebook, all that fun stuff. Uh, they also have an awesome merchandise shop you should check out. Uh, and uh, most importantly, if you if you like their show, you should like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. It's how people get the word out. Uh, go ahead and do that. And I just want to say thank you both again so much for being here today. You are both so awesome, and I cannot wait for the next Neoscum episode. 
Thank you so much for having us. This was super fun. Yeah, this really rocked. It was really fun. Thanks for listening to What's Your Role, a proud member of the Role to Play Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share us on social media. Do you have a favorite actual play podcast? Want to hear them on the show? Tag them on social media with the hashtag What's Your Role. See you next time. <laughs>